Hey, good morning, church. Hey, you folks are singing pretty good today. Kind of like spring has come, huh? I pulled out my short sleeve shirt. We grilled out yesterday. Of course, if you're from Michigan, you probably grill all through the winter, too, outside. I know how it goes. Hey, we're doing a little experiment this winter, or this winter, this Easter, with uh, two services. And uh, I know we're going to be asking people to flex, and I really appreciate your work with us. So here's two things that we need our church family to do come Easter Sunday. So we have two services, one at 9 and one at 10.30 in the morning. And I know some of us, like, you don't know if it is even light at 9 on Sunday morning. But it is. It really is. And so, you know, many of our guests and folks from outside of our ministry probably will naturally come to the 1030 service. So we're going to be asking many of our regular people to try the 9 o'clock service. Coffee will be provided, especially. There will be no decaf provided at the 9 a.m. service. And so we really want you to try the 9 o'clock service. Now, here's the one thing. This may be really a stretch for some of you for that 9 a.m. service. Initially, we will not, boy, this might even be a spiritual conviction for some people. We will not initially have our balcony open at the 9 a.m. service. I know, I know. But I'll tell you what, um, if we get a really good flow of people, and if you invite a good number of people, and it starts to fill up down here, then we will open the balcony. I know some of you, this, is, this would be a really difficult thing, but you know what? You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do it. I know that you can, okay? We'll be praying for you. We will. Um, 9 a.m., that 9 o'clock service on Easter. So that's number one. We're going to ask that our church people flex because, you know, a lot of the folks from outside of the ministry will come at 1030. Here's number two is we have invite cards that are going to be available for our church family right after this service. So as you go out, make sure you get a good handful of these. There'll be ushers at the doors handing these out. And they're going to mention the two services that'll be involved on Easter. And as well, there's going to be um, a note for our new message series that begins Easter Sunday. It's an eight-week series called The Comeback. And it's subtitled, It's Not Over Yet. And here's the cool thing. It's, all, it's many of the comeback stories of the Bible. Because all of us are comeback stories. God does a work in our life, a work of grace, we're all comeback stories, folks, and there's so many of them throughout Scripture that will help us and encourage us in life, and, uh, and they start with the greatest comeback of all, and that's the comeback of Jesus Christ to come back and defeat the grave. We're going to be celebrating that Easter Sunday morning, so the comeback begins Easter Sunday. Grab these on your way out. Easter Sunday, start at 9 o'clock. And uh, we'll be down here initially, but if you all bring a whole bunch of people at 9 o'clock, we'll open up the balcony for you. We'll be noting that. 
Hey, here's another thing. At this very moment, we have Jonathan and Precious Mast and family en route to Michigan. They are on their way. And to prove it, we even have some pictures that they, um, that they texted me this morning. Here they are in front of their home with the, oh, hold, let's go back. I need to show you a couple things here with that first one. There's proof. There's the U-Haul all loaded up. And there's their vehicle. Um, and they're, they're all set for northern Michigan. They got their canoe. You see their canoe on top of their, top of their vehicle? And um, so there they are. Then there's the kiddos. Or there's the selfie with the whole family. And, uh, and these are just this morning. And then the next one with just the kiddos on the front doorstep. They are so excited, folks. And I think we are, too. <laughs> so um, tomorrow... We sent out an email tomorrow um, at 2 o'clock. We'll be converging on their home on Smith Road. And you know what? I didn't even bring the address up here with me. Just go to Smith Road. And you're going to see a whole bunch of cars. There's a little sheep farm there. So when you turn left on Smith off a of three mile, it's the next driveway on the right. And it just kind of goes back and goes around. There'll be a mass of cars there at 2 o'clock. And we're first, we need some people. If you got extra vacuum cleaner or some cleaning supplies, and Clorox wipes, bring those along, and we'll clean out some of the rooms and things like that. And then um, bring your muscles along, and we'll unload the trucks together. And it'll go farther than 3 or 4, I'm sure. So if you get out of work around 3 or 4 or even 5 o'clock, there'll be work for us to do together. So come on by. There'll even be some pizza that'll be brought in around 4 o'clock that'll take care of all of us. It'll really be a great time together. And don't just figure, oh, there'll be tons of folks there. I don't need to show up. Show up. Because more than just help, I think they will enjoy seeing our church people support them. So we'll take care of that tomorrow. I look forward to seeing you there. Now grab your copy of the scriptures. Turn to James in chapter 5. We are in the very last chapter of the book of James. And if you came to church today wondering if this message was going to have anything in it for you, well, let me just assure you it does. Because today we are talking about patience. Yeah, I hear the groans out there. Everyone deals with the issue of patience. Everyone struggles at times with the issue of patience. On March 10th in the morning, my family and I started a 1,405-mile trip stuffed in our minivan to Kissimmee, Florida, And if you remember what it was like on March 10th, there was all of the snow and the ice and the slush that came down through the night. There were high wind gusts that were up to 40, 50, even sometimes 60 miles an hour. And it was slow going for us getting out of northern Michigan our minivan, we were doing like 35 and 40, and and the wind sometimes get to an open field it would just blow our minivan back and forth and of course it was cold we had the heat turned up and with all of our 
family stuffed in there and all of our luggage and it was, it was stuffy and it was hot. 1,405 miles and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be forever. And let me tell you folks, within 60 miles, no joke, within 60 miles, we had three pukers in a hot, stuffy minivan. And all I could think in my mind was, we have 1,345 miles to go. And I know you laugh because you've been through that, haven't you? You all been through that? When is this trip going to end? And you feel that internal boiling pot of impatience percolating inside of you and wanting to take over, that cabin fever, you know, kind of bubbling up inside of you. My, my favorite poem on patience, I've said once in here before, it is from an anonymous source, it's so good. It's, patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, found seldom in a woman, and never in a, it's a stupid poem, never, it's a dumb, dumb poem, never mind that one. James chapter 5, James, James chapter 5, here we are at verse 7, and so look at how he begins this passage for us this morning he starts with the command and he says to us the very first two words be patient be patient and he calls us out in endearing terms he says be patient then brothers and sisters until the lord's coming I just want to talk about patience just for a moment, and we're going to jump right into your sermon study guide that's on the back of your East Bay Weekly. Let's talk about this, because we need to understand what's he talking about when he talks about patience. Because sometimes when we think about patience, we think about what we tell our kids in the back of the van. Be patient. And normally we just mean be quiet. Just sit there and be quiet and do nothing. And, and that's really not what James is saying. He's not just saying, hey, just sit there and shut up and do nothing. There's a, there's a quality that he's getting at here that's so far beyond that. Patience, as expressed here in this word, is seen by, and here's your wording for this morning, it's seen by an attitude that exhibits, and here's a couple descriptive words for us, an attitude that exhibits brave and stable perseverance. Now, perseverance is a whole lot more than just what we think of with patience. And this brave and stable perseverance happens during uncomfortable times, difficult times. And so the writer here, James, says, I want you to be patient then, brothers and sisters. He's talking to his dear ones, those that have commonality in the faith, 
who believe in Jesus as their forgiver and leader. And his first point that he drives home is perseverance is needed through tough times. Perseverance is needed through tough times. And this has been the whole context of James. If we go back, can you believe it, 17 messages ago, we started in James 1, and he started out with a theme in verse 2, and he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that endearing term again, whenever you face trials of different kinds, and so this whole perseverance through tough times, so what's he talking about? What kind of difficult times is he talking about? And we now know, going through the book of James, these people were enduring persecution. Like for their faith, they were enduring actual hardship because they were Christians. They also were going through financial hardship. And he talked about people right there in their assembly that had little And then he also mentioned that some of those who had little were being oppressed or mistreated or looked down upon. And so we understand from them that they were being, even some of them were being discriminated upon. They were looked down upon. So they were enduring persecution for their faith, financial hardship, discrimination, slander. We talked about that even just a couple weeks ago. Some of them were saying slanderous things toward one another tearing each other down there was mistreatment there was oppression and these tough times were just wailing on them and these tough times were not just obviously for them because they've been all through the bible here's a couple passages you may want to write down second corinthians 1 3 through 4 And Paul mentions in this passage, he says, I know you're going through difficult times. And they were. And he says, and part of the reason why those tough times come is because you are able to help other people when they go through tough times. It's true. Another passage, and we'll look at it a little bit later. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 Peter says, you know what, you guys are suffering for your faith. You're taking it on the chin because you're believers. And so difficult times were occurring for people in Bible days, all kinds of challenges, and they were going on for people here in the book of James. And you know what, my guess is, if you and I just take a moment, let's just put the car in park and let's think about it. You going through any tough times right now? Let me just um, poke a little bit. Maybe some problems at work. People saying things against you, maybe blaming you for the thing they goofed up on. Maybe someone else getting promoted when maybe it should have been you. Someone else maybe taking something that belonged to you. Maybe someone putting you down and you don't even really understand where your job may end up being down the road 
probably here's the big one that all of us can identify with at one point. Maybe problems in relationships. Maybe some of us here this morning would say, you know what, marriage is harder right now than it's ever been. There may be a husband saying, she is so difficult to understand. I would suggest if you're saying that, don't say it out loud. There may be a wife sitting here saying he just does not understand. There may be a couple saying I'm just so hurt by what they said or did. You might be going through financial problems. You might be going through parenting problems. You might be dealing with societal issues. You might be really stressed by the issues in our country or with politics. And if you weren't awake yet, you probably are now that I just said the word politics. And you feel the injustice. And you see the problems. And you take the hit. And you know what you feel like doing when you go through tough times, don't you? How long do you want to wait to solve it? Huh? When something's going on that you don't like, how long do you want to wait? You don't want to wait long at all, do you? You know the whole song, Jesus Take the Wheel? That is not one you want to sing. It's like, how about me take the wheel? I want to take over on this one. I want to retaliate. I want to settle the score. I want to let them know what they're doing and how it affects me and how I feel. Got enough of your timetable. And so it's interesting that here James starts out, and to grab our attention, he, he doesn't beat around the bush. He says, okay, gang, whoa, if you're going through a tough time, patience. And remember, that's not just shut up. It's brave, stable perseverance. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. Here's number two. Here's the beauty. You don't have to be patient forever. Only till Jesus comes back, okay? That's number two. Patience is needed until Jesus comes. But the beauty of it is, he's coming. So notice what he says. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Now, Not to stand the risk of being too technical, but I want to give you something here. This is something I believe is, is very significant to the text. Because some people think, you know what, I'm so looking forward to heaven. The streets of gold. No pain, no sorrow, no struggling. And it does sound pretty good, huh? No winter. 
Some people say, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing my loved ones, and I understand there's beauty in that. Some people say, I, I'm so looking forward to no sin. Boy, won't that be great, folks? And not just no sin in everyone else. Won't it be great that we won't struggle with it ourselves? But I want to point out that the wording used here is parousia. Here's what this means. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's parousia. And here's, here's what he's getting at. The word literally means presence after absence. And so he's not referring to heaven. And he's not referring to the world getting better. And he's not referring to your physical well-being or even our loved ones. But rather, specifically, he's saying, you know what? <clears throat> there is someone coming who was here and is absent now, but his presence is coming again. And he's going to make everything right. All of your injustice will be made right. Now understand, the person penning this letter right now is the brother of Jesus. He wasn't looking forward merely to heaven, and he wasn't looking forward merely to the world getting better or just to sin being gone. He says, you know what? I can't wait for Jesus to come. And he will make things right. This is a literal presence among us the thing we are looking for is not a thing, it's a person. And we won't be terribly preoccupied with what heaven looks like or what our glorified body will be or if we will recognize each other. The beauty of heaven isn't really heaven. It's a person. It's Jesus, and he will make everything right. I'm telling you, the disciples looked forward to Jesus. James was looking forward to Jesus. And believers today, let's not get distracted, we are looking forward to Jesus. And somewhere along the line, just being straight up, we need to accept the fact not all is going to be okay. It's not going to all be okay in this world. And that doesn't mean we give up on influencing our world for God, but it, it does mean that we don't put our hope in this world. I wish it were going to be okay, but then we wouldn't be so anxious for his return and so the very same event that the early believers anticipated as the one that will make things right is the same one that you and I look forward to as the one that will make all things right. 
And in the meantime, between now and then, we meet our challenges with an attitude of gentle and stable perseverance during uncomfortable and difficult times. Now, what are evidences of perseverance? Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Here we go. What are evidences of perseverance? Here's number one, an evidence of perseverance. Look at verse 7 and 8. So he's working through this, the Lord's coming. Here's the analogy. Just like a farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains, you too be patient. And notice the first thing. He said, be patient and stand firm. And so an evidence of perseverance is consistent faith. This establish or stand firm is in reference to one's faith. This word denotes a rock-solid immovability, never allowing our faith to sway off center when we are going through this challenge. I love what author and pastor Chuck Swindoll says, If you can imagine, he says, it's just like the quality of a steer standing in the middle of a blizzard. They just don't move at all. And just as a steer, just as Gibraltar, immovable, our faith, when we go through challenge, perseverance says, it just doesn't go anywhere. Our faith stays strong. I'm just here to tell you, when challenges come, there are some tendencies that we have, one of which is to give up entirely on our faith. We've all been there, and we know people. When a challenge comes, some people say, that's it. Okay, I'm giving up. If this is what it's like to be a Christian, I thought things were going to be better I'm out of here. I'm just going to bolt. I'm going to do my own thing. And some people, that's their attitude. I've had it with this. Forget this Christianity. And some people look at other Christians. You know, if Christians can go ahead and sin, then, well, guess what? We're all sinners. True? If Christians can sin, well, you know, that's why I got into this is because I am a sinner and I need help. I need Jesus. Some people say, you know, I'm going to give up entirely on Christianity. Others say, you know what, okay, I'm not going to give up on God, but I'm just going to lower my commitment. I'm not really getting, getting immediate returns on my personal investment into Christianity. I just don't think I'm going to invest that much. I'm just not going to go as all in on this God thing as I used to. And that's not this consistent faith either. Other people lose it. And they just go berserk on society. And they get irate with our world that is without Christ. Some people lose their perseverance and and they lose their patience. 
And it's interesting, in 2 Peter, the text mentions here that as the world gets worse and worse and people scoff, okay, where is God? When's he coming back? And the Bible says, and God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so it's, it's interesting, even he is patient with our world. But some people end up going nuts. And they act in a way that, that God never intended us to. And our patient desire should be the same as Christ. We don't want anyone to perish, but all come to repentance. I, I read this old Jewish tradition that tells the story of Abraham. I don't know if it's an actual account because it's not listed in the Bible. But the moral certainly is true. Listen to this. Abraham was sitting outside his tent one evening when he saw an old man Weary from age and journey coming toward him, and Abraham rushed out, greeted him, invited the man into his tent, and there he washed the old man's feet and gave him food and drink. And the old man immediately began eating without saying any prayer or blessing. So Abraham asked him, don't you worship God? And the old traveler replied, I worship fire only and reverence no other God. And when he heard this, Abraham became incensed, grabbed the old man by the shoulders, threw him out of his tent into the cold night air. When the old man had departed, God called to his friend Abraham and asked where the stranger was. Abraham replied, I forced him out because he didn't worship you. God answered, I have suffered with him for 80 years, although he dishonors me. Could you not endure him for one night? An evidence of perseverance is consistent faith, not giving up on our trust and reliance on God, not even diluting it, and not going nuts on the world either that we live in. And here's the other one. Look at verse 9. This is the tough one. After we stand firm, notice verse 9. And don't grumble against one another, brothers. And sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Another evidence of perseverance. Good attitudes toward each other. This is James' fourth discussion on speech in this five-chapter book. And guess what, folks? You tell me. What's the very first sign when someone's becoming impatient? Hmm? Complaining, isn't it? Yeah. Complaining. To grumble or to groan or complain or sigh. There's a verse my parents stressed to me when I was a child. Philippians 2.14. Do all 
things without complaining or arguing. And the word they would stress to me, all. Do all things without complaining or arguing. Main indicator of impatience is complaining. And knowing that we're perseverance, it'll, uh, persevering, it'll be seen in our attitude toward each other. It's interesting that James is concerned that while we are in this world enduring it, that we don't turn on each other and become impatient with each other because that's his main focus. Don't grumble against one another within the church. Don't do it. It's like to our early years, when we were back in New York, when we would take the trip from New York to Michigan to see Grandma. And we would pack up. We, we've always had minivans, folks, when you have seven kids. It's all, it's all we've ever had. We'd pack up the van. We toss the kids in there. Everyone's excited. We're going to grandma's. And then they would ask, how long is it? We say, it's a long time. Just don't even ask. They say, now what states are we going to go through? We say, well, we'll go through New York. And you can go 65 miles an hour. And we'll go in Michigan. You can go 70 miles an hour. And back then, we could go through Canada. We didn't need any special passport or anything. I said, we go through Canada, and through Canada, it's every man for himself. <laughs> I said, but it'll be a long trip, you know. And they're all excited. But it doesn't take too long into the trip when we're all in this thing together. And then you start hearing things, stuff like, she touched me. She's not on her side. She's looking at me. I want a different music CD on. The best one I remembered from my growing up years when my sister would complain to my parents about my brother. He's breathing through his nose. Well, all of that to amplify, we're in this big minivan church together on a trip. And we have got a great destination. It's going to be a little long. And there'll be times that we may annoy one another a little, maybe get on the other person's side. But the challenge is, and what James says is, whoa, hold on. we got to remember, we're family, man. We're spiritual siblings. We're, we're going to the same destination. Patience with each other. And that's another evidence of this perseverance is a good attitude toward each other. Here's the last thing. i got to get to this. This is so important. So important because so many of us right now are going through things and we have to recognize that lastly, our perseverance, number three, is rewarded. 
with God's mercy. This is so special. Verse 10 down through verse 11. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, he mentions a couple things. Number one, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And as you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. Some of those prophets, they put up with a whole lot. Some of them were even killed for their faith. And they persevered all the way through. Then he mentions another person. You've heard of Job's perseverance. Job lost everything, including his health. And have seen what the Lord finally brought about. And I don't know if you know with Job's situation, he lost everything, including his health, and it ended up, at the very end, God was with him and God restored even to a greater degree than Job ever imagined and cared for all of his needs. And here's the phrase I want to give you. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Our perseverance is rewarded with God's mercy. Our perseverance is rewarded with God's mercy. When we go through challenges, folks, when we go through trouble, when you deal with your marriage with perseverance, when you deal with your job, with your children, with your church scenario, with your neighbor, when you deal with it with perseverance, when your faith stays firm, when your attitude stays Christ-like, God steps in. And whether it's with the prophets, even though they died, they experience God's presence and his reward. Or whether it was Job who lost everything, but after his loss, God's presence came in and restored it all to him. Whether it's down here or whether it's on the other side, God rewards people with his mercy. I want to give you a an illustration of um, something from the diary of John Wesley. I think you'll enjoy this. John Wesley was a famous evangelist. This is right out of his diary. Sunday a.m., May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked to not come back anymore. Sunday p.m. May 5th, preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m. May 12th, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday a.m. May 19th, I love this, he forgot the name of the church. Preached in St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on street, kicked off street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in Meadow, chased out of Meadow as bull was turned loose during service. (laughs) Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out at edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, get this, 
preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear me. God rewards those who persevere, who keep the faith and keep their attitude. And I know, folks, I know that there's a lot of us in this room right now that feel the weight of something you're going through right now. I know it. We all have it. And I want us to pray a little bit differently today. Instead of praying, God, change my situation. Today I want us to pray something different. God, change me in my situation. God, help me keep my faith strong. God, help me keep my attitude like Jesus. That's where we start. Don't start with God, change my world around me. That way I don't have to learn anything. But God, as my world is difficult right now, change me. Keep my heart right. Keep my faith strong. Keep my attitude right. Keep me from complaining. Keep me from doubting. Would you stand with me for a moment? Here's what I want us to do. Are you going through something this morning? Are you dealing with something and you feel the weight? You know you need to persevere. You know your faith needs to stay strong. You know your attitude needs to stay right. I'd like for you to pray personally. Could we all just together just bow our heads and would you personally take a moment to pray but here's the other thing I want you to do I've got a little prayer team that started down here and if, if you if you want you're going through something if you'd like to be a part of that prayer team come on down just come on down and, and squeeze into that group. Because they're praying, God, keep our faith strong. Keep our attitude right as we go through challenges in life. If you want to do that, squeeze into that prayer group right now. Come on down. And they want to welcome you. Just pop right on in there. Pray with them. Come on down. You want to pray by yourself you can you can come right down here to the front of the platform all by yourself but if you want to there's a team that just wants to, to come with you and be a part of the prayer with you and your life come on down if you want to do it and be a part of the prayer group let me pray for you God I pray for our family here A whole group of friends that um, we're dealing with life, we're dealing with challenges, and some of these things are really tough. 
God, I pray that you would give us strength to persevere, to stand firm in the faith, to not give up or give in in any way. And God, keep our attitudes right. May they be like Jesus. Keep us from complaining. Keep us from complaining about others and complaining to others. And God, may we be patient. And without shame, God, we ask. We look forward to your coming. We look forward to your rewards. We know that you do things better than anyone else. Pray for your working in our lives through our tough times. Use them for your glory. And all of East Bay Calvary said, amen. Gang, we care for you. We care for what you're going through. If you want to talk, would you connect with us? This prayer group is going to keep on going for a couple minutes. If you want to still slip on down and be a part of it and have someone be a part of your prayer journey through your challenge, that's what it's there for. Come on down. Don't worry about it. There are your invite cards on the way out. You have two assignments. One, invite people for Easter. Number two, come to the 9 o'clock service and sit down on the main level without complaining. <laughs> Love you guys. God bless you. Have a good day.